At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. This is VEASAN's Pro Football Betting Podcast. Here's your host, Danny Burke. Folks, welcome to it. We have finally made it to the NFL postseason. It was a lot of fun, tons of excitement throughout the regular season, but we are prepared to get into the thick of it for the playoffs here on VEASAN's Pro Football Betting Podcast. I am your host, Danny Burke, and alongside me, as he always is at the very beginning of the week, to help you get prepared for some of your football bets, it's Brady Cannon at Las Vegas Golfer, where you can follow him on Twitter. So it's a little bit of a different situation, naturally, as we head into the postseason. Brady and I doing more of an early look ahead for the wild card weekend. And we do have a game on the upcoming Monday, so we'll have to do a, a little TBD in terms of our schedule. But I imagine Brady and I will be doing the same next week, getting prepared for that Monday game with Tampa Bay and Dallas. But still, tons of action to unpack. Uh, Brady, I, I guess before we get into these games... How did your week 18 end, and overall, how was your regular season, my man? I know you crushed it every time you hopped on here, but how did everything Boy, besides that turn I, out? I should have just bet the Monday night games we talked <laughs> yeah. about, right? I, I oh, literally man. think I missed one. I mean, we didn't have an official bet on everyone, but uh, you know, we I, we certainly had leans and opinions, and and I, I think I just had one that was wrong, and I remember that was Halloween when the— uh, uh, Cleveland Browns crushed the Cincinnati Bengals. We were on the wrong side of that one, but yeah, it was a heck of a year on Monday nights. And yeah, I, I did pretty well for their regular season campaign. Um, yesterday I went three and four. Uh, so, you know, a little bit of a loss there, um, you know, was competitive in the Westgate super contest, uh, you know, had a chance to get into the money in the final week. We really, because we were kind of in chase mode, 
uh, we really had to take some very contrarian plays and just take the opposite sides of what we figured was going to be popular uh, in order to, you know, climb past the pack and, and get into the money. Uh, but the games just didn't fall our way. They they looked good for a while, but in the end, uh, didn't make it. So, but you know, you have to you have to be aggressive like that if you're if you're chasing. Uh, so we finished a few points out of the money, but uh, it was competitive, and you know we were relevant for a long time. Uh, just didn't happen to fall our way this time. Now I hear you, man. And hey, I mean that's what a lot of people just hope to ask for when they enter that contest. At least a chance to be in it to qualify for some of the money. So uh, props to you and your crew, and especially great job in terms of Monday night. So uh, always happy to get your insight because I know it's been serving us well, and hopefully we can keep that going on for Wild Card Weekend. So without further ado, Brady, let's go ahead and jump into it. You know, some of these, it's kind of odd because I'm looking at like the opening lines at several books and at VEASAN.com where we have these opening lines. And yesterday, Jeff Parles and I, when we were doing VEASAN Live at Sunday, and of course you follow with Mike Pritchard on the Pro Football Blitz, we were looking at DraftKings and we saw some of these lines pop up really early. So my opening line from where I saw it there is a little bit different than some that are listed on several odds pages. But nevertheless, we'll of course update where they are consensus-wise now. Uh, one of them that popped up later, so I'm not sure uh, what it was in comparison to specifically DraftKings, but it looked like San Francisco at the lowest mark opened up as a nine and a half point favorite at home against the Seattle Seahawks. This will be the first game on Saturday, 1.30 Pacific time, 4.30 Eastern time. The total opened at about 42 in the hook. Now you look across the board, Brady, it's already shot up to 10. Uh, total right now at 43, it looks like, at every single outlet, at least in Las Vegas. So if you're looking at all these stats for this matchup, there's certainly a lot of discrepancies that favor the San Francisco 49ers, hence them being a double-digit home favorite. You got the number one overall defense, according to DVOA, against a 21st-ranked defense. Seattle's 25th defensively against the run which is great for San Francisco, a team that can really be elusive and diverse in their play calling when it comes to rushing attempts. And he could take some of the strain off of Brock Purdy, even though he may not have to because the kid's been an absolute stud. Uh, my issue for wanting to back Seattle would kind of come around to their defense, as I just alluded to. And then Geno Smith. Brady, he's got seven interceptions in his last seven games, hasn't gotten over 62% on a completion rate in the last three, hasn't thrown for over 215 passing yards in the last three games. And now again, you're going up against considered one of the best, if not the best defense in the San Francisco 49ers. How do you think things fare out in this matchup? Yeah, you know, I'm. This is a game I'm thinking I may not bet. Uh, my my initial number crunch comes out to San Francisco favored by eight and a half, and it was on the pro fall, uh, pro football blitz that you mentioned with Mike Pritchard last night before these lines popped up because we didn't necessarily know Seattle was going to be the opponent until right. Detroit beat Green Bay. So that was the last line to pop up. And I guessed it would be nine and a half or 10. So my guess was right on. Uh, my numbers come out to San Francisco, eight and a half at 10 or higher. I, I would probably want to bet Seattle. I mean, this is a division game, right? I mean, I understand yeah. it's a playoff game, but this is round three. Truly. Now the 49ers have swept the series, the regular season series with Seattle. And, and you're right. Seattle coming into Sunday had lost six of their last eight games, yet they were still vying for a playoff spot, which of course they eventually got. 
you wonder if there'll be a little bit of a letdown there because uh, obviously there was so much elation with winning that game in dramatic fashion and then having having to sweat out the uh, the Detroit Green Bay game. I'm pretty sure the Seahawks, you know, had like a team party and and obviously were celebrating. I imagine uh, extensively after that Lions win. Uh, but you know, the letdown factor, I don't think is much of anything when you're talking playoffs, but, uh, you know, a, a little bit of an emotional ride anyway for the Seattle Seahawks, whereas San Francisco, they've won 10 games in a row there. There's no letdown or look ahead or, you know, I, I don't think they're, they're riding too high. I think they're, they're just used to this. This is routine now having won 10 games in a row. But, you know, in my experience as a longtime 49er fan, it just doesn't seem like they cover big spreads. They, they win games, but, you know, they are not terrific in the red zone. They're, they're below average in the red zone. They kick a lot of field goals. So, you know, even though they blew out Arizona, I mean, that, that's Arizona, who, who by my numbers is uh, the worst team in the NFL. Uh, but I, I would probably be taking double digits with the Seahawks before I laid it here. Uh, just because of, you know, the division nature of the game and those te- uh, tend to be closer to the vest and that type of thing. You're right about Geno Smith. He hasn't been nearly as impressive, you know, during this this last six, eight game stretch, what have you. Uh, the completion percentage is not there. He's starting to turn the ball over. And San Francisco, by the way, finishes the regular season number one in the NFL in turnover differential. They had three more interceptions uh, and, and I believe a fumble recovery as well on Sunday. So not necessarily the team you want to face uh, when you're making a habit of turning the ball over, but I have a feeling Seattle will clean up their act uh, enough to stay somewhat competitive in this game. And again, I, I'd probably take the 10 points before doing anything with San Francisco. Yeah. And it's not like you or I necessarily think Seattle may be live to win this game outright per se, but when you're talking about just a pure number standpoint in a division game that's in the postseason, it's hard to lay such a big number. And look, I love Brock Purdy. He's been very impressive. You're a 49ers fan, but it's still a completely different atmosphere with Mr. Irrelevant, who has proven the doubters wrong, but it's just a different setting with that familiarity with Pete Carroll going against the 49ers. So, yeah, I I like San Francisco to win, of course, but I don't care to lay that big of a number. So that kind of drew me also to maybe the first half, although it looks like six and a half is still what you're laying with San Francisco, which is a lot for the first half. But the reason I was drawn to that is because, and again, I reference DVOA a lot, and I know you look at them as well, but they're fourth and first half DVOA offense and fourth defensively. Whereas the Seahawks in the first half are 26th defensively, 19th offensively. San Francisco's averaging 14 first half points per game and allowing just eight first half points per game, which is second fewest. Seattle is allowing 14 first half points per game, which is 30th in the National Football League. They are averaging 12.4, but with the way Geno's played and the way the San Francisco 49ers defense has continued to play, maybe they get a tad bit limited in the first half. So I would consider something in that arena, but again, six and a half for the first half is still kind of steep, Brady. That's that's the only issue. Like, yeah, they could easily be up a touchdown, but I don't know if that's something I want to sweat out in the beginning stages of this game. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I mean, the numbers certainly make sense that you reference, but I, I wouldn't run to the window. I, I mean, you're you're paying quite a premium for that first half number. I mean, typically the first half number is 
basically exactly half of what the full game is. And you're looking at, you know, six and a half times two is 13, but the actual game spread is 10. So you're, you're really paying extra there for that first half bet. Um, and again, just in my experience watching the 49ers, I, I don't necessarily expect them to get out to a big lead early. Uh, if they're ahead by six points after one half or four points after one half, that wouldn't surprise me. But but seven or more probably would surprise me a little bit. I, I expect Seattle to be a competitive uh, in this game. Like I said, I'd take the 10. I'd probably take the six and a half. And, and I'm with you. I, I don't expect San Francisco to lose at all. Um, but I, I'm really not comfortable laying double digits. Pete Carroll knows this team inside and out. He's, you know, been a thorn in their side for many years, uh, when they had Russell Wilson at quarterback. So they do have a history of, uh, you know, upsetting the 49ers, uh, over the years, like I say, prior to Geno Smith and, you know, they didn't, they didn't perform too well this year. Uh, it was game three or game two of the season, I believe, when Jimmy Garoppolo was in there for the injured Trey Lance. I mean, if you look at the two games that San Francisco played against Seattle this year, the Seahawks only scored one offensive touchdown. In the first game, the, t- the touchdown that they scored was on special teams late. I think it was a blocked punt or something like that in garbage time. And then in, in the second game that they played, Seattle scored a, a late touchdown in the fourth quarter. So their offense has been completely stymied by this 49ers uh, this season in the first two meetings. And the Niners, I believe, covered both of those spreads pretty easily, too. So, you know, I'm kind of contradicting myself if now all of a sudden I want to back Seattle. <laughs> uh, but... You know, 10 points, that, that's a lot. Um, I, I have a feeling Seattle will show up somewhat in this game, and I could see the Niners winning by somewhere between six and eight points. All right, Brady, let's move along to the AFC. I'm fascinated with this game. Los Angeles, the Chargers being, going on the road to take on the Jacksonville Jaguars. Jacksonville winning in dramatic fashion against the Titans. Man, oh, man, uh, the defensive uh, touchdown puts them out on top. So they find themselves winning the division, hosting the Chargers. So when I was talking about the opening line and everything, so like if you look at VEASAN, minus one and a half is where they say the Chargers open, total at about 46 in the hook. But when Jeff and I were on air at DraftKings, we saw their numbers having Chargers minus two and a half and the total at 46. The first thing that stood out to me was the total. I was telling Jeff, I was like, that kind of feels pretty low and you got to imagine this thing's getting bet up to 47 well now you see it as high as 47 in the hook across the board out by you in las vegas spread across the board is los angeles minus one and i think that move doesn't shock me either i mean the funny thing about this game is like both teams are great historically at shooting themselves in the foot uh perhaps los angeles more so than jacksonville recently so whichever side people would be leaning in terms of a team, I think you could have a great argument. But I really like this total. And again, since it was moving, I got 46 in the hook, minus 118. If you go at Bet Rivers is where I bet that, and they allow you to kind of manipulate the total. So minus 118, I didn't think was too steep to get over somewhat of a keyish number of 47. So I did over 46 and a half for this game. You know that both quarterbacks are more than capable of moving the ball very frequently downfield. A lot of weapons. I know Mike Williams is something you have to keep an eye out for for Los Angeles. Hopefully he can go for the sake of points and for the sake of him and the Chargers. But I just find it hard to imagine the defenses are really going to be stout in this game. Now the Chargers have improved, but you look at Jacksonville, 
their defense has kind of been their main issue all year. The offensive line has been problematic, but they've incrementally improved, I feel like. And defensively, Jacksonville is 31st overall when it comes to red zone defense, according to DVOA. 27th against the run when in the red zone. So maybe you consider like an Austin Eckler anytime touchdown. Um, overall, DVOA too, their 26th defensively is Jacksonville. Los Angeles is 16th. So, again, you can keep going over the numbers, but it's pretty obvious that Jacksonville's defense can be a liability. I mean, even Joshua Dobbs was kind of able to have a really good game. Someone they picked up just before Christmas in the biggest game of his career. Huge game, of course, for Jacksonville, and they were really finding it hard to stop him on a consistent basis. And Justin Herbert and company are a completely different beast. Um, I do have one other stat I wanted to throw at you just because I was really kind of searching in terms of um, if you're looking at a side, one versus the other, what I thought was kind of interesting. So Jacksonville offensively, when passing on third and fourth down, DVOA has them eighth, but defensively, the Chargers are first against the path on those on the pass or against the pass, pardon me, on those third and fourth down plays. So they've been tremendous at limiting them in that arena. And then offensively, when passing on third and fourth down, the Chargers are 14th. Jacksonville defensively is 31st. It's kind of nitpicky, but those are huge plays, especially when the spread is so narrow in a postseason game. So I don't know. I, I just wanted to get your thoughts on some of those numbers. But like I said, I'm already invested in this total over 46 in the hook. Yeah, I like Jacksonville on a teaser, uh, taking yeah. them from plus one up to plus seven. I, I think this will be a tight game. Uh, you know, my numbers actually come out to Jacksonville as a two-point favorite in this game. Uh, and you're right. I did see two and a half in favor of the Chargers as the very first number. And money has come in on Jacksonville. There's even a lot of pickums out there, Danny. Uh, minus one in favor of uh, Los Angeles being the consensus number. But there are some pickums out there in this game as well. And who knows? Maybe by the time we get to kickoff, Jacksonville will become a favorite. After all, they're at home and they beat the Chargers in L.A earlier this season uh, both of these teams I think are peaking at the right time now the Chargers lost on Sunday and, and I have no idea Danny why Brandon Staley chose to play his starters uh, the entire game basically uh, and it come it came back to bite him a little bit too Mike Williams you know was banged up with uh, back spasms I guess uh, that sounds like something you can probably get over relatively easily and, and be ready to play the following week and, and Joey Bosa was nicked up again as well so it, it's just asinine to me I don't know why he was trying and then he goes for two late in the game to make it a field goal game it's like coach th this game doesn't mean anything why are you playing this so competitively to try you know to force a tie I mean who knows he probably would have went to overtime and, and everything was locked up the fifth seed you know he couldn't do he couldn't move up he couldn't move down everything was a done deal Quite fascinating. I, I thought he would handle it more like the Vikings and the Buccaneers did, where their starters played for the first half, and then he pulled everybody in the second half. But, uh, you know, wh whatever. I, and I would give uh, Jacksonville a, a, an advantage in that regard. I, I think Staley is not an awful coach, but he just does some very confusing things. Whatever yeah. you think the right thing to do is, expect Staley to do the opposite. It's 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 so true. I mean, like, I was praising Staley last year, and I know there was a group of people like myself who loved him being aggressive, but then sometimes it's like, really, you're going to go that far with it? And same could be applied to several situations this year, and especially putting the guys out there. Now, 
based on all of his comments leading up into the game, he made it seem like they went there to win. They were going to play their guys. It depended on the circumstances. So what I did actually, I teased up the Chargers. So uh, that came through. I had him at plus eight in the hook, and it was almost there when it closed. It closed at like seven. So like selfishly, I was like, all right, that's fine. You know, play him for the first half, maybe a couple reps in the second half. But and then he kept doing it where it's like it, it made no sense. Like Jeff was losing his mind on air. And I'm like, objectively speaking, yes, this is the stupidest thing you could be doing right now. And I guess if you're looking at why he did it, you're a younger team. You want to get as many reps as possible with especially your trio of Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, and Justin Herbert, who didn't play together that much because of injuries this year. But Brady, you would have thought once Mike Williams exited the game, that was your signal to be like, all right, we we had our opportunity. Let's just get everybody else out here safe and healthy. And he, and he just kept letting them go. But um, yeah, hopefully he could be back. Again, I, I'm banking on this being a higher scoring game. I like your angle with the teaser do you think that this one may flip to Jacksonville as the favorite? If someone is to think about doing the same as you, are you saying to do it sooner rather than later, probably? Yeah, absolutely. While you can still get Jacksonville as an underdog, uh, plus one, uh, obviously the plus twos, plus two and a halfs, those are long gone. But I, I have a feeling Jacksonville will close as the favorite, a short favorite in this game, maybe one or one and a half. So, you know, I think there's going to be opportunities. You could almost... Any team that you can get at plus one or plus one and a half, you might tease it up, you know, to seven or seven and a half. It's kind of one of those games. I think whoever's the dog getting a point or a point and a half, uh, you could tease up and probably have a pretty good bet. I don't necessarily expect Jacksonville to blow out uh, Los Angeles and, and vice versa. So I, I think you're probably going to have a one possession game. All right, let's move to Sunday then, Brady. We have an AFC East showdown with the Buffalo Bills hosting the Dolphins. Both teams split when they met each other in the regular season. Although, well, I was going to say the Bills could have arguably won both, but so could have the Dolphins because they just only lost by a field goal at Buffalo in a really great game, especially from Raheem Mostert. That's when he came alive with his ground effort against one of the better run defenses in that snowy game. But everything changes now because of the uncertainty with the quarterback situation in Miami. So again, we talk about these early numbers. I saw DraftKings having Buffalo at nine in the hook, and then it's now moved up to as high as 11-point favorites are the Buffalo Bills. Total about 43 in the hook all across the board, maybe the opener around 44 or so. Mike McDaniel is not committed to a quarterback yet. How do you look to bet this game with that uncertainty in that position, Brady? Well, you know, I, I think the first look has to be to the Buffalo side, uh, and obviously it's it's growing quickly here. Uh, if you could, if you were able to get this one under double digits, I think that's a pretty good play. I, I wouldn't necessarily mind laying 10, uh, 10 and a half, 11. That, that's probably about the right number, I think. Uh, my number actually comes out to right at 10. Uh, and those numbers, you know, my calculations are primarily based on Tua uh, being in the lineup. Now, they've had a lot of different quarterbacks in the lineup, you know, for for a handful of games. It's been, what, a couple now with Skylar Thompson. Earlier in the year, Thompson had to play. I believe that was against the Jets. Teddy Bridgewater's been in for a couple games. So there's maybe six games or so uh, in all of these season-long numbers uh, that are not reflective of Tua. Uh, but I think for the most part, uh, you, you can bank on these numbers being reflective of Tua. And my bet is that he's not going to play. I think you have to shut this young man down for the entire season. Uh, he, you know, let's be honest, he had three concussions. They're, they're calling it two, but 
I, I think you and I both know it was three. That first one when he said his back was hurt or whatever, that, that was a concussion too. So, you know, three concussions in one season, uh, I think it's time to sit this guy down and, and let him try and get healthy for next year. I would not expect he's going to play. Now, Teddy Bridgewater might play. It was a dislocated pinky finger, not a broken finger. Uh, so that might be okay for, for this coming week. Uh, and then you've got Skylar Thompson. And, uh, you know, I think if it's Thompson, you're probably going to see this line go even higher. So I, I could only look the Bills way. I don't think this Miami team's very good. Uh, I mean, you know, I know the Jets defense is good, but you put nine points on the board. Uh, and surprisingly, the Jets could only score six against Miami, whose defense is not very good at all. Uh, and that's going to be a big problem against the Buffalo Bills. I think that game, I think it was uh, Thanksgiving or so uh, when, you know, they played a great game and, and Miami was in that uh, till the bitter end up in Buffalo. Uh, that was a little surprising to me that Buffalo was not able to cover that number, but that was Tua in that game as well. And I don't think you're going to see the same competitive level with anybody else at quarterback other than Tua. Agreed. I've got nothing here, but if I'm doing anything, I'm like you, Brady. I think I would lay it rather than taking it for that matchup with Buffalo and Miami. But uh, hopefully we get a nice little competitive one. Unless, of course, you are betting the Bills and you're hoping it's a blowout. <laughs> All right, Brady, uh, we got this next matchup with a team, or teams rather, that have faced each other and fairly recently with the Vikings and the Giants. So in Minnesota, the Vikings will be hosting New York. On Christmas Eve is when the Vikings at home beat the Giants 27-24. Shocker, it came down to a field goal for mm -hmm. Minnesota against this Giants team. And where do you see the spread? Right at a field goal. Minnesota minus three. Total up to as high as 48 and the hook opened as low as 47. So here's some notable stats from that game. Man, they made Daniel Jones look like an absolute stud. 30 of 42 for 334 passing yards. Only one passing touchdown and one interception, but still, uh, Daniel Jones typically not getting anywhere near those numbers. Kirk Cousins went 34 of 48, 299, three touchdowns, no picks. Justin Jefferson, 12 receptions, a buck 33 in the air, one receiving touchdown. TJ Hawkinson had his signature game that day, 13 catches, 109 receiving yards, and two receiving touchdowns. Saquon Barkley had 14 rush attempts, 84 rushing yards. One rushing touchdown. Giants were able to average 6.7 yards per play. Vikings only had five yards per play in that game. But the Vikings did go three out of four in red zone opportunities. The Giants only had two of them, and they were able to capitalize on one. The big difference as well was that the Giants had two turnovers and the Vikings had none. And the Giants have actually been a pretty good team in terms of lim uh, limiting their turnovers. So if they can correct that, uh, perhaps they end up on top in this one. I really don't know what to make of it, Brady. Like, the Vikings should be the better team, in my mind at least. Like, they should win based on the offensive talent, the home field advantage, everything you want to talk about it. But they just can't help but get in their own way. And they're not necessarily accustomed to being in this playoff position just as much. I mean, maybe a little bit more than the Giants as of late because of the experience built around them. But still, it's just this Minnesota team that just is almost cursed in getting a comfortable win. But I will say, and I was telling Jeff Parles this yesterday, there's only a finite amount of places you would probably consider to have home field advantage. But I truly think Minnesota does have a home field advantage, not only just because of the crowd, but they just themselves tend to play better at home. Like when they're a three-point favorite 
or a slight favorite, whatever it may be, and it's on the road, that's when they typically find it to being even closer than it should be or they lose. Whereas in this spot, I think it's still going to be gross, but they may find an edge to push through. The Giants are 32nd against the run in DVOA, 22nd against the pass, 29th overall. So yeah, I get why this total's moving to the over. We know the Vikings are poor defensively in what they allowed Daniel Jones to do the last time. Uh, 27 to 24 once again. So it did have a lot of scoring in that first matchup. So again, I get why the total's going to the over. I haven't done anything. I lean Minnesota. I don't know if I want to actually put myself through the ringer and bet that. So I've got nothing right now, Brady. Uh, what do you think for this matchup? You know, I, I could only take the points. And, you know, it. everything everything you say is spot on. I do agree with you. Minnesota has a legitimate home field advantage. Uh, that game uh, around Christmas or so, that, that was at Minnesota, correct? Yeah. Yeah, and obviously a three-point game. I, I think you're probably looking at something similar. My numbers actually come out to the Giants as a two-point favorite. I wouldn't be surprised if they won this game. Uh, I, I think Dable's on a roll. I, I think what his decision uh, was on Sunday to you know not play his starters really at all. Obviously, you saw Davis Webb at quarterback. You didn't even see Tyrod Taylor. I, I think Dayball did a masterful job at knowing exactly what his team needed. Uh, you know, some of the teams took the strategy of you know let's give our guys a few reps and then we'll pull them out. Obviously, some teams played their guys the whole game. I think Dable knew what his team needed. Obviously, this guy has been tremendous this year uh, in his first season as head coach and probably was going to go on to win coach of the year here. Uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if the New York Giants win this game. Uh, but like I say, I, I, as far as taking a side here, I could only take the points because I, I as you alluded to, I, Minnesota just finds ways to make games close and, and bring them down to just one score, one possession games. And that's what we saw the last time these two teams met. You know, Daniel Jones has really been on fire. And I want to say it was ever since that game. Now he played the Colts in you know, his last start of the season. And, and we know about the Colts, but Jones was fantastic. Fantastic in that game as well. I think it was two rushing touchdowns and two passing touchdowns. So he's been really good as of late. Uh, you know, Richie James has emerged as a nice target for him. Daniel Bellinger, the tight end, is is a really good tight end. Local Las Vegas kid, by the way. Uh, the defense is an issue, and, and that's why you're, what you're seeing with the total. The defense is absolutely an issue for Minnesota, too. You talked about New York's inability or, or difficulty stopping the run, certainly throughout the, the season. Um, Minnesota in the second half of the season, uh, or, or maybe just the last four or five weeks even, their rushing attack has really gone downhill. Dalvin Cook being limited to a very low average yards per carry. And uh, so, you know, I, I say it's hard to kind of handicap the, the nuances of these teams because they can both be very fickle. You know, Minnesota is decent in some defensive areas. So is New York. And then they're awful in other areas. Uh, they're they're kind of similar in the sense that they're not great teams. They do some things very well. They do some things very poorly. And, you know, if, if you make these teams, you know, not on paper with numbers and all that stuff, but maybe just an eye test, what I'm explaining here, if you see that these teams are somewhat equal, then the play is certainly with the points. Yeah, I, again, I, I get it. Like on paper, Minnesota should be the better team, but just like kind of when you envision what the outcome could be, I could absolutely see Daniel Jones killing them with a dual threat attack and them winning this game because, again, I mean, beating the dead horse, but Minnesota can't help but get in their own way. 
And some other numbers, too. I mean, you look at that game. I mentioned how the Giants had two turnovers. The Vikings had none. But the Giants really out-averaged them in terms of yards per play, and they still only lost by three. If you think it's more of a normally played game to their stats, then it would probably favor the Giants, as your numbers are telling you. The Giants, um, when you look at the red zone in DVOA, they're first offensively. Vikings are 23rd, so if they could just set themselves up in that opportunity once they get there, perhaps they can take more advantage of it than they did the last game. Minnesota's 13th offensively, but the Giants are 14th defensively. So again, they match up pretty well, and the Giants... Got to be fairly happy that this is the team they went up against. I feel like anybody would be content with going on the road against Minnesota as opposed to a lot of these other teams just because the Vikings have played in so many close games and it's been so many miraculous wins. At some point, that time's probably going to end out. That luck's going to run out, whatever you want to call it. And it certainly could be against the Giants. So I have nothing right now. I lean toward the over. If it was under three, I guess I would still have a little bit of a stronger lean with Minnesota. But at three or above, I completely understand the thought process of taking the points with the Giants. But, man, that game, uh, I think this one will be a good player prop game, too. Because of expecting a lot of points in both of these defenses being sort of liabilities, I think you can imagine some good prop angles in that effort. And you mentioned Delvin Cook, too. I think there's a huge correlation to the success of Minnesota and maybe comfort level because what do they do exceptionally well? They run the play action very solidly. And the reason they can establish that is if Delvin Cook can find some holes early on and that allows Kirk Cousins to implement the play action and then get some of his guys open. But if Delvin Cook is going to be limited from the start, you could kind of safely assume what the play calling a majority of the time is going to be with Minnesota, especially if they're trailing or it's a closely kept game. So it does really revolve a lot around Delvin Cook, and if you think he can get that established right away, I think that offers more of an, a lean toward Minnesota, but if not, then absolutely could see the incentive for looking at the Giants, Brady. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you, and, and certainly the number, like you mentioned, if it's under three, that's a big deal, uh, but it's not right now, and, and I, I could see it getting there. I, I, I'm not sure... You know, I don't, I don't think the wise guys are real keen on betting Minnesota. And, you know, they have been at certain times, especially earlier in the year, uh, keen on, uh, you know, siding with the Giants. We'll see where this number goes. It hasn't ticked below three as far as I can tell just yet. Um, but uh, I, I think you're going to probably get a pretty good game. And like I say, I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if the Giants won. You know, that that was kind of their M.O. Uh, early in the season. They, they just... They were surprising all of us and winning games when we all expected them to be bad. Uh, you know, and then they hit a, a, a lull there kind of uh, early second half of the season. I think they lost three out of four games or something like that. But, you know, they, they finished strong again. So uh, they started strong and finished strong. And, and it feels like they kind of have the momentum right now. Minnesota has been in some awful weird games down the stretch here, you know, where they've gotten blown out. They were blown out just a couple weeks ago by Green Bay. Uh, so I, I think the Giants come in with a pretty good uh, mindset and, and feeling in the locker room into this contest. Okay, Brady, Sunday night action. We got an AFC North showdown with the Bengals and the Ravens. Yes, they just played, and uh, it wasn't a fully healthy Ravens team, of course. Uh, Anthony Brown was in the quarterback position. Lamar Jackson still has not really gotten any meaningful reps and that certainly bodes well for the Bengals, who I saw open up at 5.5 at DraftKings. Now you're seeing them as high as 6.5 point favorites. Total about 43 in the hook at the opener. It's kind of still right there, 43 in the hook. 
So when both of these teams were more healthy, that was when the Ravens won the first game versus Cincinnati 19-17. But the case could be made that was way before Cincinnati started finding their groove. The Bengals won on Sunday 27-16. I get the love for Cincinnati here. I think, and I've been saying this a couple weeks now, I think Cincinnati, in my mind, is the top team in the AFC. Their defense has been great. That's been the big difference maker from what they possessed or presented rather last year into what has altered this season and why they can compete frequently with the big boys, especially in the second half. Their defense has been outstanding. I think Lamar Jackson, again, like I kind of said, him not getting action for quite some time before heading into the postseason, I think that's going to be huge, Brady. And it would be one thing if they were on a great team and it was like a San Francisco 49ers situation to where the backup did his job, Uh, They were still a sound team before that, and now you're getting your guy back in the mix. But no, with Lamar Jackson there, this was still a team that was so infuriating and refused to close out games uh, comfortably and blew so many situations to where they should have ended out on top and probably could have ended up with the best record in the AFC if they were just somewhat competent in the back half of these games. I don't like the idea of laying six and a half with Cincinnati, but I think it's one of those situations, Brady, where I would prefer to lay it than to take it if it's under the key number of seven. I don't put that much stock into this Ravens team, even though I have a Super Bowl ticket on them at 20 to one from before the year. I just think Cincinnati is a, is in a great spot right now and everything's clicking for them. I actually really like the Ravens and the points in this game. Uh, Yeah. I, my, my numbers come out to Cincinnati minus two. Uh, I think this line's too high, and I think everybody's kind of fallen in love with the Cincinnati Bengals right now, and rightly so. They they look like an awful, powerful team that could go all the way to the Super Bowl once again. Um, but I just think this is too many points. I mean, these teams just played. I think John Harbaugh was probably smart enough in that game to not roll out all of his tricks. I mean, he had Anthony Brown at quarterback. He didn't even put uh, Tyler Huntley in there when he may have been able to. Uh, now, you make a great point. I think that's the biggest question about this game. Uh, rust versus rest with Lamar Jackson. And you'd have to expect there's going to be some rest or some rust. He hasn't even practiced in over a month. Uh, and, and how quickly is or how aggressively is he going to be able to practice this week uh, on that injured knee? You know, is it fully healthy? We don't really know that right now. Uh, was it fully healthy two or three weeks ago? Probably not. It, it's probably in pretty good shape right now, I would think. Uh, it's been, I believe, close to six weeks since he injured that knee. And originally they thought it would be just two to four weeks uh, for his return. So maybe they've known that he's pretty healthy, uh, you know, or has been pretty healthy for two or three weeks now, but they've kept him on the sidelines knowing that they were already in the postseason and they were just keeping him on the shelf to get even healthier for this time. You know, those are all question marks that, that we don't really know and are, and are tough to handicap. And we can only try and garner information as the week goes along. And, and like I say, I think that's the biggest factor in this game. You know, is Jackson going to be rusty or will he pick up where he left off? And, and you're right. You know, where he left off, he wasn't necessarily crushing it the way he was earlier in the season. Um, but but I just think this is too many points. Uh, again, it's another division game. The, the Ravens should have their man back at quarterback. They'll have Mark Andrews back in at tight end. You know, they, they should be uh, 100% ready uh, for this contest. And, and again, I wouldn't be surprised if they won outright. But um, I, I do think it's too many points. 
So when you're talking about the numbers you make, and I know you have a lot of different factors that go into it, for this specific game, are you factoring in Lamar Jackson with that rust versus rest potentially, or is the assumption in your mind like a fully healthy, normal Lamar Jackson when you crunch those numbers? Yeah, I, I think for the most part, they're reflective of a normal Lamar Jackson. Uh, what has it been, about five or six games that, that it hasn't been Jackson? And I would include the Denver Bronco game when they won 10-9 to nine, uh, because Huntley was in for most of that game as well. I think it's I think it was you know Huntley and now Anthony Brown. I think it was five starts uh, for them, but, but I would probably go back six games, uh, you know, out of 17. Uh, so you've got, you know, 11 games there that your numbers are reflective of Lamar Jackson and, and these numbers have taken a hit uh, especially offensively with Huntley and, and Brown in the ball game in place of Lamar but at the same time their defensive numbers have improved significantly this defense has yeah. become really good they they are excellent in the red zone uh, they defend the pass very well they defend the run well um, you know, Roquan Smith and Patrick Queen are an excellent duo there at linebacker. Uh, they're going to get healthier in the secondary. There was a couple of guys that didn't play for him on Sunday against uh, against Cincinnati. So, uh, you know, I think a lot of the Ravens success uh, you know, late in the season and going forward, if they're going to make any noise in the playoffs, is very reliant on that defense. So, you know, we're talking about the quarterback position, and obviously that's a, a huge piece, but I, I think this defense can carry this team quite a ways as well. The defense has been outstanding. You're, you're not wrong. That's been the biggest reason that they've been able to kind of hold strong without Lamar Jackson since his absence. They have been amazing. And again, in a familiar game, certainly helps them out there knowing that they've already seen Joe Burrow and company a couple of times and in the past. Uh, the head coaching advantage still should go to Baltimore as well. So, yeah, I get the allure into taking the points with Baltimore. I do think since he finds a way to get it done, I don't know if I'm going to get there laying the points because, like you said, it could. It, it just does seem like a lot with these familiar teams that match up fairly well with the assumption Lamar's kind of back on the track to being normal. But that is a big question mark to it as well. Uh, so would we count you in for taking six in the hook or are you kind of waiting to see if the number maybe creeps to seven if it even gets there? I don't know if it'll get to seven, but it, it might with news on Lamar. OK, sure. you know, I think I think this is maybe a wait and see if I was going to play the game right now, I would buy the half point up to seven. Okay. Uh, you know, I, I would want to get that key number, uh, but it could move to seven if there are some negative reports on Lamar. I think he's going to play no matter what. Mm -hmm. uh, but, uh, you know, there, there could be some some news about how he's doing in practice and whatever that, that could affect this number. Uh, but like I say, uh, if I was going to play it now rather than waiting to kind of find out more information possibly as the week goes on, I'd buy it up to seven. All right, Brady, last game we'll get into here, Monday Night Football, the Cowboys and the Bucks. Uh, we saw them at the beginning of the season. I think it was, what, like 19-3 to the Bucks beat the Cowboys in that game. And now it's flipped because we see Dallas is the favorite heading down to Tampa Bay. Man, I this game is so difficult in my mind because it's Tom Brady in the postseason, regardless of what transpired during the regular season, despite what you think about Todd Bowles and Byron Leftwich and his play calling and what just seems so inept, so incompetent with the Bucs this year, 
it's still Tom Brady with all of these weapons at the end of the day. And I know that their defense has regressed, but I still think they're a very solid defensive group. That's the reason why they were able to win the division because their defense was able to have a bend, don't break mentality in a lot of those close games. And then finally, and you and I have stressed this, like the offense comes alive in the two-minute drill, seemingly the only time that Tom Brady can move the ball and have success. And right now, the line has moved down to two and a half at several shops. And I think a lot of that is, one, they still aren't fully trustworthy of Mike McCarthy and Dak Prescott, and two, because of how bad Dallas looked on Sunday. Now, you don't want to put a lot of stock into that necessarily because it was a unique type of game where they didn't necessarily have to go full out to try with the assumption that the Eagles were going to hold on. But that was still just a pitiful performance out of the Dallas offensive side of the ball. Totals up to 45 and a half, and you still can get some threes out there uh, if you want to take it with Tampa Bay. But uh, I got some stats I'll rifle off, but I, I want to hear your thoughts first in this matchup, Brady. Uh, what, what do you like here? I know that you, that you had the teaser with Jacksonville. Are you maybe considering teasing up the Bucks? Is that your other team? What do you got rolling here? No, I actually like the favorite in this game. Uh, I, I would I would lay it here with Dallas, and there are some two-and-a-halves out there, uh, so I would certainly, obviously, lay the two-and-a-half uh, if you can find it rather than the threes that are out there. Um, but I, I think there's, I mean, and, and it really is kind of a seemingly an unprecedented situation, Tom Brady as a home dog in the postseason. I mean, when was the last time that happened? Uh, and, and I think that's going to be the storyline this week. You're, you're going to have just tons of people jumping on Tampa Bay because it's Tom Brady in the role of an underdog in the postseason. You know, there's no way he can lose. And, and I understand that. But I think that's probably giving you a little bit of value here on Dallas. My numbers actually come out to Dallas minus 10. This wow. Tampa Bay game, <laughs> this Tampa Bay team is not good. Uh, I mean, they, they barely beat the Carolina Panthers, should have lost to the Carolina Panthers uh, in weeks in weeks, uh, week 16, rather. Uh, you know, I know Brady and company only played half the game uh, and they were leading at halftime over the Atlanta Falcons. But, you know, they weren't exactly stellar in that game. I mean, they almost lost to the Arizona Cardinals. This team is not any good. And and it just kind of, you know, when we see them succeed, is when Brady pulls off a miracle, like you say, in the two-minute drill at the end of the game, and he finds a way to win. They're the worst team in the league, Danny, at covering the number this year. I, I believe it was like four, uh, I want to say four, 12, and one. And, and they're also, uh, let's see, what I can't remember what they did in their last home game, uh, but I, I don't think they've covered a spread at home the entire season, like 0 for 6 or something like that. So Yeah, four, 12, and one, by the way. Uh, worst in the league, like you said. Yeah, four twelve and one, and then I think at home it's like zero for six, or maybe zero six and one, or something like that. Uh, one one six and one at home. One six and one. Okay, I think they covered their last home game. They were uh, they they had not covered a single home game uh, prior to their final home game of the season this year. I can't remember what that was, but anyway, the point is. They're, they're not meeting expectations to, to the tune of being the worst team in the league at meeting expectations. So, uh, you know, are you going to now all of a sudden say that uh, they're going to win this thing outright and, and they should be, you know, getting less than three points or whatever? What 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 leads you to believe that they should be, you know, not catching as many as three because they, they, they haven't been able to e even come close to the spread for the majority of the season. So I, I think. 
again, the storyline and, and what the public perception is going to be. Tom Brady is an underdog at home in the postseason. Uh, I, I think that's going to have a, a lot of public money on the underdog here. And I, uh, I actually, like I say, I side with the favorite. It's hard to do because Dallas has been pretty awful lately as well. Uh, I mean, uh, on Sunday against Washington, Dak Prescott, you know, turning the ball over again. He's, he's really been a turnover machine uh, for a couple of months now. Um, the running game was not good against Washington. Uh, and Tampa Bay's running defense is pretty darn good. Uh, but I, I think the, the key to this game is probably going to be Dallas's defense. Tampa Bay does not have a running game. Uh, they should be able to make the Tampa Bay offense one dimensional if it's not already, uh, and just concentrate on stopping the pass and getting after Tom Brady. We know that's really the, the key to stopping any sort of Tom Brady led team is putting pressure on him. And with Micah Parsons and company, they should be able to do that. I think Dan Quinn, uh, gives the Cowboys an advantage here. I think he's been a great defensive coordinator for Dallas, but he's also, if you recall, was the head coach of the Atlanta Falcons and took on these Tampa Bay Buccaneers twice a year uh, for several seasons there as the head coach in Atlanta. So I know he's familiar with this team, and I think that gives them a little bit of an edge as well. Again, I, I'd lean with the favorite here. So, Brady, you mentioned the Dallas defense, which, of course, is such a dominant force to their team, and it was one of the best at the beginning of the year. They slightly regress, but a lot of teams do. They're still considered one of the tops. Tampa Bay, when you look at their offense, so they're 30th when running the ball. They're incredibly inefficient when trying to run the ball with Leonard Fournette, whereas Dallas has one of the best run defenses. If you think Tampa Bay can somehow get a run game established, I think that's how the Bucs can win this game. Do I think it's going to happen? I don't know. I certainly wouldn't bank on it because they just, at that point, are forcing Tom Brady to make a throw like three out of every four opportunities. And that's why he's been crushing over or cruising over his pass attempts prop so frequently. The dude's, what, 45 years old, and he's throwing that amount of times per game. Then he has Mike Evans and Chris Godwin to throw to, but... Mike Evans and him have been struggling to find their connection. They finally had a great game against the Panthers, but man, it took so long. And if the Cowboys can at least contain them well enough in the passing effort, that should give the advantage to Dallas. Now you got to hope that Dak Prescott doesn't have a costly interception that could turn to six the other way, but they can also kind of establish their ground attack and really control time of possession. Something else that stood out to me too, and I think is very important that we maybe don't highlight enough uh, on a game-to-game -game basis during the regular season, but when you're really trying to get down to the nitty-gritty in the postseason, it is very important. Special teams advantage goes to Dallas. They're 10th in special teams, according to DVOA. Tampa Bay is 31st, so that could be a huge thing too in terms of field position, in terms of obviously if the team's going to muff a punt, something like that, a huge issue this year for every squad. Furthermore, red zone-wise, Dallas is second offensively, according to DVOA. Tampa Bay is 25th defensively. Tampa Bay offensively is 14th. Dallas is 15th defensively. They're 25th against the pass, but third against the run. So maybe you consider something with Tom Brady passing touchdowns prop if you think they can score enough. Uh, Tampa Bay's 30th against the pass themselves. DVOA red zone pass defense, so maybe Dak Prescott uh, with his passing touchdowns prop. I'm just kind of rifling off some of these numbers. But at the end of the day, I think a good play here, and I'm curious your thoughts, of course, would be revolved around this total. Now, the movement has gone toward the over up to 45 and a half. 
I lean toward the under for the full game, but maybe the first half you look under like 22. That seems to be the consensus number right now. So Tampa Bay first and first half defense. Dallas is 22nd offensively. Tampa Bay 14th and first half offense. Dallas is 15th defensively. Tampa Bay limiting opponents in the first half to just nine first half points per game. Dallas allows 11, but Tampa Bay is only putting up 8.6 themselves in the first half. Dallas is averaging over 13, but if they're going to try to establish a run earlier, that takes more time off the clock. And you got to think because of how good Tampa Bay's defense has been in the first half, they can limit that damage enough as well. I would maybe look at the first half under 22. What do you think about the scoring efforts in this game? I think that makes a lot of sense. And you're probably going to have certainly a little bit of a feeling out period. Uh, you know, you could be scoreless for the first 10 minutes of this game. Uh, so I, I think under in the first half does make sense w with all the points and the numbers that you rattle off there. H here's some other numbers, you know, looking at the entire game here. Uh, you were talking about Tampa Bay's red zone defense and whatnot. Dallas is number one in red zone offense. They're number nine in red zone defense. Tampa Bay, 22nd in red zone offense. We know they kick a lot of field goals. They're 26th in red zone defense. So big mismatch there, both offensively and defensively uh, in the red zone for these two teams. Tampa Bay, 31st in yards per point on offense. Dallas is first in yards per point on offense. Yards per pass attempt. Tampa Bay is 30th. Tom Brady doesn't throw it deep. He just dinks and dunks. And in yards per pass attempt allowed defensively, Dallas ranks ninth. So, you know, there's three areas right there where there's a big advantage for the Dallas Cowboys. And, you know, if Tampa Bay plays basically to their model, what, what the, the way they've played really this entire season, and, and if Dallas can improve upon what they've looked like the last few weeks, I think they win this game pretty comfortably. Yeah, I hear you. And by the way, for anybody a little bit confused for the numbers being different, again, I'm going off the red zone DVOA where it's more about right. the efficiency. Brady's going off the raw numbers, which both still, uh, you know, kind of come out to Dallas close. having a pretty yeah. sizable advantage. So, yeah, that's a good thing when those are lining up. Um, but, yeah, I look, I get it. It's not going to shock. It shouldn't shock anybody if Dallas does win this game comfortably. Like, despite maybe a lack of confidence in Dak Prescott and McCarthy, there's been way less trust in what you've seen from Tampa Bay. It's really that caveat of, hey, it's Tom Brady as a postseason underdog. Wouldn't shock anybody for him to succeed in that role. But hey, do you want to put your money there? I'm not so sure. That's why I may end up ultimately on some kind of under. Uh, Brady, before we get to kind of our official, unless you, do you have anything else with those games? Otherwise, I was just going to get into the futures. No, I was just going to say, I mean, Tampa Bay, what, what are they averaging, you know, scoring per game this year? Under 20 points, you know, so and Dallas's offense yeah. has been really a, a machine. So, uh, you know, I, it, it, just looking at the stats and everything, Dallas should win this game without problem. All right, well, Brady, let's get into it with these Super Bowl futures. I'm going to go off DraftKings and their odds. And again, this isn't maybe something that Brady's going to bet or I'm going to bet just talking about value and what we've placed before the year or throughout the season. So Kansas City right now is your short shot at plus 350. The Bills are next at 4-1. to one. The 49ers are 5-1. to one. The Eagles plus 550. Bengals are plus 850. Cowboys 12-1. to one. Chargers 20-1. to one. Bucks are 28 to 1, Vikings 35 to 1 along with the Ravens, 
Jags are 50 to 1, Giants 55 to 1, Dolphins are 60 to 1, and then the Seahawks all the way at the bottom are 70 to 1. I had three bets that I made before the year, and one of them's hilarious now because I had the Cardinals at like 25 or 28 to 1. <laughs> just thinking based on the number, not that I necessarily thought they'd win, but that they would be in a position and maybe I could cash out or had to do something, you know, prop swap, whatever it may be, just based on the value. Obviously, that did not go according to plan. Uh, I also had the Ravens at 20 to 1 and the Chargers at 25 to 1. So uh, those are the two tickets I'm holding strong to. I have the 49ers plus 550 to win the NFC championship. So I could hedge if they get to that point, if need be. That was my thought process. And it was like a week and a half or two weeks before Jimmy Garoppolo got injured. Yet, you know, Brock Purdy is looking like a stud. So um, the only thing I would maybe consider now, and I told you I think they're the number one team in the AFC, it would be the Bengals at plus 850. But certainly, you know, they kind of get hurt in terms of, the scheduling changing, and look, it needed to happen. There were more important things on the line, but that's kind of the consensus thought is that the Bengals uh, get hurt the most from that potentially. But look, at plus 850, based on what we've seen and where I think of them, that would be my selection if I had to make one right now, probably in terms of the best bang for your buck. I know that you think the Ravens are absolutely live in that game, so that probably isn't going to be your top choice. But off of those numbers, uh, what would you maybe be considering at this moment? No, I, th- I don't think that's bad value with Cincinnati at plus 850. I, I would maybe, I mean, you'd obviously love to have 10 to 1 if you could find that. And I don't know uh, per the market if 850 is high or low. I, I haven't looked at that in, in a few days anyway, but I, I don't think that's bad on the Bengals. They certainly have a very good shot. My problem is, uh, if you're going to uh, emerge as the AFC representative, uh, you're going to have to get through Kansas City and probably right. Buffalo as well. I think Kansas City is a real monster right now. And, and I feel like, obviously, Joe Burrow, I, what is he, never lost to Kansas City, I believe. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he seems to have their number. Um, but I, I really feel kind of like Buffalo is the best competition for the Kansas City Chiefs. And, and that number is awful low at four to one, but I don't think that's bad either. I, I think this team and, you know, I, I felt the Patriots were a decent play on Sunday because you had so much uh, public support for the Buffalo Bills and their emotional roller coaster that they had been on uh, last week heading into that game with the Patriots. And I thought the Patriots might be a decent contrarian play. We used it in a contest kind of because we had to. That was one of the, you know, we started off the conversation. I was talking about our contest. We had to go with sides that were going to be very unpopular. And we felt the Patriots would be one of those sides uh, because of the massive public support for Buffalo and their situation. Uh, and, And, you know, the, the Patriots nearly covered that number. It wasn't until the very end that, that Buffalo pulled away. Um, but I mean, if you uh, didn't have two kickoff return touchdowns, it's right. a completely different game too. But, you know, because of that, the kickoff returns and, and winning that game and winning that game pretty convincingly in the end, um, with the whole, you know, DeMar Hamlin situation, I think now it has maybe become, uh, you know, a, a real inspiration and not that it wasn't, you know, but I think heading into the Patriots game, was it a distraction? Were they ready to play football again? But now they've gotten past that hurdle. Right. And I think they really can feed off of that at this point. 
Um, they're, they're where they want to be. They're in the playoffs. They're the number two seed. Obviously, they'd love to be number one, but I think they're fine with all that. I think this has given them per, uh, some perspective, and, and uh, I think it makes this team really healthy right now mentally, uh, and, and especially now getting past that Patriots game, the final game of the season, and the first game since the Hamlin tra- uh, tragedy. So I think the Bills are really uh, a force to be reckoned with right now and probably the best shot to knock off Kansas City and or Cincinnati. So even at four to one, um, I think the Buffalo Bills are, are dangerous. Um, I, I think the Chargers are a little bit dangerous right I now. Um, they they are a hot team and boy, is Justin Herbert good. My goodness, has he been on fire uh, you know, certainly for the last month or so. And, and the, you mentioned it earlier as well. The defense has finally started to improve. Um, you know, hopefully Mike Williams will be healthy for this Jacksonville game. But when it's Herbert, Eckler, Williams, and Allen all on the field at the same time, uh, the offense is very dangerous. So 20 to 1, not too bad there. The one feature, uh, future ticket that I made uh, before the start of the season was a Super Bowl exacta. I felt that it would be Baltimore against San Francisco, and I got that at 80 to 1. Mm. Um, it, it's still possible, obviously. I think the San Francisco leg has a real good chance of getting there. Yeah. You know, I said this earlier a couple weeks ago. I think with Lamar Jackson in the lineup, the Baltimore Ravens are capable of beating anybody, and they're capable of losing to anybody. So, you know, they're kind of a 50 50 shot, I guess. But, uh, you know, it, at least that ticket is not completely dead yet. Um, so, yeah, you know, Buffalo, it's tough to take four to one, but I but I do think uh, they're a real solid choice. Dallas at 12 to one, you know, that number is interesting. I think the odds makers are kind of telling you that this team is better than they've looked the last few weeks. Uh, I know the, the general consensus is pretty down on Dallas right now, and I, I don't know if I'm going to run to the window to make that bet, but I think that number is interesting, kind of lower than you might expect. Um so, you know, those would be just my my leans, if you will, or opinions on, on the board. I certainly don't don't want to go any deeper, you know, 50 to one on Jacksonville, 55, right. you know, 70 on the Seahawks. No, I'm I'm not going there. I think I, I think there's about, uh, you know, five teams that really have a legit shot, maybe six. Brady, the Cowboys, to me, I, I get it. Like you look at that and you would love the idea of taking that because talent wise, they should be capable of reaching the Super Bowl. Uh, there's mm-hmm. no excuse they not should. to, yep. right? Yeah. But it's Dak Prescott and his turnovers that scare you, and I still think it's the head coach that scares you too. And yep. that's why the number is where it is. But it is so tempting because they should not be that high. It's just kind of scary, and especially with an open NFC. Like, to me, they're the third best team in the NFC because you get the Eagles in San Francisco. I think he could consider them 1A, 1B, and then you'd put the Cowboys right behind them. But if you told me you took that price, I wouldn't talk you out of it, but I would be like, well, <laughs> you know, don't be shocked that they don't even make it out of the first round. I mean, I know that you're high in them in the first round, and look, they no, probably you're right, do though. end up they're, winning they're, it. But... They're volatile. You know, they're, yeah. it's kind of like the Ravens. I think the Ravens yes. and the Cowboys are both capable of running the table, and they're both capable of losing on game one. You know, hundred so, percent. Yeah. So <laughs> what but, do you, uh, I, I want to ask you, what do you think? So you talk about the bills and, you know, after everything transpired, I think I kind of, I'm liking the bills a little bit more so than I am Kansas City, maybe just a little bit, but it's still tough. It's a toss up. You could go either way, to be honest. Would you look at maybe instead of four to one for the bills, 
or you could do both, but do the Bills 2-1 to one to win the AFC. And if they get to that point, it's just a bet on them getting to that point. If you really wanted to, you could hedge off or something like that. If you power rate them higher than potentially Kansas City, is this maybe more of a price bet? So you're sitting on a 2-1 to one money line ticket virtually with the Bills. Is that something you'd maybe look at or you'd just rather take 4-1 to one for the Super Bowl? I do power rate them higher than the Kansas City Chiefs. The Bills actually come out number one uh, in my numbers. Let me see where I've got it over here. Um, yeah, I've actually got the 49ers ahead of the Chiefs as well. Uh, the Bills are tops on my list, uh, Eagles, 49ers, Chiefs. Um, but uh, I, I would probably go with the Super Bowl bet, Danny. Two to one, you know, obviously so short. And if they win the AFC you know, obviously they're going to the Super Bowl and then you're sitting with a four to one ticket that you can try and monetize, you know. So sure. I, I would want the higher number to have more room there to hedge and, and you know, you know, do what you want to do uh, in that situation rather than, you know, taking a real short price and, and pretty much just having to ride with it and not having a great hedge opportunity. All right, Brady. Well, that's pretty much all I got, my man. I know, obviously, we'll have more coverage throughout the week. Matt Humans, Mike Palm will join myself as we get closer to the weekend and more of our official plays, insight, analysis, all that good stuff. But as of this moment, I will say, like I already said earlier, uh, the play that I do have is over 46.5 minus 118 between the Chargers and the Jags. Strongly considering playing that first half under with Dallas and Tampa Bay, but have not pulled the trigger just yet uh your official plays as of this moment and what you may be looking forward to doing since we won't talk to you for a little bit well you know i, I haven't i haven't ran to the window just yet but i could see teasing jacksonville with the giants you know it's not an ideal teaser number the three on the giants but that's fine um you know teasing dallas you're going through the zero i'd probably just lay the three points uh, I think the Ravens, you know, buying that up to seven. Uh, but again, I might wait for some news on that one before I before I rush to the counter on that one. But uh, the, the games I'm staying away from right now would be San Francisco and Buffalo. My numbers come out really close to what the actual numbers are. Uh, the other ones, I have some pretty decent sized discrepancy. And hey, when Brady does play it, we'll have it listed at VEASAN.com, folks, under our Pro Picks page. Every show host, every guest, every sport they wager on, it's all listed right there at VSIN.com. He is Brady Cannon at Las Vegas Golfer, where you can follow him on Twitter. For myself, Danny Burke, at Danny Burke 5 on the tweets. Brady, always appreciate the time, my man. Hell of a season. Appreciate the hard work. We're looking to keep it rolling throughout the postseason. So best of luck to you. Best of luck to everybody out there. We'll catch up again later in the week because remember, Mike Paul, Matt Humans, and I will delve into this entire slate once again once we see these lines kind of marinate into where they may finish and we get an update on some of these injury statuses and everything surrounding that. But until then, take care and best of luck with all your bets. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. 
Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. If you're committed to living a healthier life, you might want to look into working herbs into your wellness routine. There's a reason people have trusted them for thousands of years. Nature's Way understands that nature is the ultimate problem solver, and they're constantly inspired by the power of nature. For example, their ginger root and slippery elm bark have been traditionally used for digestive support. And St. John's wort, holy basil, and ashwagandha can provide mood and stress support. And because Nature's Way sources from around the world and does a ton of comprehensive potency and quality testing in their state-of-the-art lab, you can be sure you're getting top-quality herbs. To learn more, visit naturesway.com.